You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to episode 7 of Monument Talk, presented by Pinstripe Alley and SB Nation. The date is June 27th. This is actually coming out on the 28th. Um, it's Thursday. The Yankees have an off day. Just finished up with Toronto yesterday and going to, on Saturday, heading out to London. Actually, they're already there now. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Crocker, along with Matt DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And this is episode 7. It's our Mickey Mantle episode. So, as we've been doing the last few episodes, going to take you through a couple... Jerseys here, Matt. People that wore seven besides Mickey. Let them know, um, Ken. Obviously, Mickey wore it from 51 to 68. Mickey with some of the original Big Bastard moves. I looked up Mickey's longest home run today, uh, just trying to see what it was. I know he hit one that hit the lights and stuff, and and the Mick.com, which is definitely not a real account that posts real stuff. Yeah, don't go to that website. Com- a lot of comic sans. <laughs> uh, said his longest home run. He says that the hardest ball he ever hit was in the 11th inning in May of 63 versus the A's. They're Kansas City back then. And it hit off the facade at the top and bounced all the way back to the infield. It was like a straight shot. And <laughs> the Mick.com did a little bit of algebra. A lot of free ads for the Mick.com to break that website. And they found, and their estimate is that it went 734 feet. Stat cast, Ken. We'll talk about it later. Which is outrageous. So, other people to wear it, uh, Leo DeRocher in 29, who ended up being the manager in 47, or Jackie Robinson's manager. Uh, cool quote here from him. I don't care if the guy is yellow or black or if he has stripes like an effing zebra. I'm the manager of this team, and I say he plays. Nice job, Leo. Ahead of your time. Yeah, Leo rules as of 29. And there were a bunch of other names, but uh, Bob Surf, 51, same year that Mickey picked it up. So, I don't know if he just did it a game or two before Mick, but he was the guy... Uh, he was, in, he was in 61. Mm-hmm. He, he lived with the two of them. Yep. The two M&M boys. And that's really it. Those are the only notables. Mickey kind of owns this one outright. So, exciting episode. we got some stuff to talk about. Matt's hot on some stuff. Uh, you actually going to London. There was a hawk. And uh, also, we got Paul Cartier, who's the Yankee organist since 2004. And uh, also, he's the organist for the New York Islanders. So, we did an interview with him. Actually, it was me. Matt was on it. In a business meeting. Then we went to the stadium that night and uh, met with him and hung out with him uh, while he was playing the organ. It's pretty cool. Cool guy. Yeah, very cool guy. Took over for famous Yankee organist Eddie Layton. And he had a really cool story about that. It's not in the interview, but we can say it now. Where he uh, said when he took over for Eddie and jumped into the booth, apparently no one was allowed to smoke in Yankee Stadium except for Eddie Layton. And all the writers would come into his into his booth and just smoke. So he came in and all the walls and all the keys were yellow. He had cigarette burns on all the end keys <laughs> on the organ. It's a different time. All right, so uh, just kind of touched on it, but our first topic, Matt, there's a hawk. Four straight games, there was a red-tailed hawk flying around Yankee Stadium. We were at the game, like we said, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, against Toronto, we're in the bleachers and right, and we noticed this. It was actually after... Uh, 
Edwin hit a home run, the big screen focused in on this hawk that's sitting at the top of the foul pole. And there's a big debate in the stands about whether or not this thing was actually real or not. Um, was it a big debate in the stands, or was it just our idiot friends talking about if this bird on top of the right field foul pole was real or not? Big debates. <laughs> yeah. Huge debate with all 40,000 people. And I mean, how many times do you see a red-tailed hawk, this thing's gigantic, sitting on the foul pole? We thought that they put it in for... You say red-tailed hawk, we're, we're, like you were like, oh my god, that's a red-tailed hawk. Yeah, Matt, I'm into birding, okay? Yeah. Uh, Turns out there was binoculars. <laughs> and... Uh, we thought they put it in for EE because he, you know, he runs the parrot around the bases, and it was right. They showed it right after he had a home run. Then we saw it move a little bit. There's a big discussion about if it was animatronic, like when you go to the Rainforest Cafe. Yeah, uh, here we they go. They got those animatronic rhinos sitting behind you while you're drinking a margarita at 11 a.m. Yeah, the ones that talk to you. Yeah, what <laughs> yeah. if that red red-tailed hawk? But then we saw him moving a little bit, but not enough to be a real bird. We weren't sure. But there was a guy behind us in the bleachers on a laptop, which was. Really strange. Mm-hmm. And somebody thought that maybe he was controlling the bird. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's a real bird. <laughs> the uh, Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently this bird has shown up to like four straight games. He's been roaming around the Bronx. He was up on like the lights and then he was on the foul pole. He's sat on both foul poles. DJ LeMahieu said that they've been watching him in the uh, in the dugout trying to find out where he's sitting every game. And CC, they asked him about it, and he said, it's pretty cool to watch. The guy's just hanging out. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what's new in Hawk News. Um, we also found out recently, it wasn't that when they do those segments on the big screen where they like ask the Yankee players questions, they asked who uh, who's the biggest wrestling fan, and every single person that was asked said Tommy Canely. <laughs> I just like to think about it. I feel like that's easy. Monday Night Raw, Canely's put down like 17 Red Bulls and he's screaming at the TV. <laughs> Monday Night Raw, Aaron Boone's calling Canely into pitch. <laughs> but he's got to watch one more match before he goes in. Good thing everybody's looking at a hawk so they're not distracted by it. All right, so some real news now. So uh, just found out that Stanton will be out till likely August. It looked like it wasn't going to be a big deal yesterday. His MRI came back, looked clean, um, and it was just a knee contusion. Maybe be out a couple days back after London, but it turns out he's got a sprained PCL. So he was replaced by Talkman, and it sounds like they didn't give a real number or a real date, but it sounds like he's out until August. He's only played nine games this year. Cue the Stanton haters, um, which haven't really started yet, but I'm already sick of them. Because, I mean, because he was playing well. Like, he had those two huge hits against the Strohs. Um, had that monster home run. Was that Toronto? Did he hit that against? I yeah, believe it was against Toronto. Yeah. So, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on the corner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it sucks. Like guys get hurt, and unfortunately, it's been a rough, a rough go of it for Stanton this year. Th- thought it was a kind of interesting that they're not bringing Frazier over to London. Um, I know that it's because Talkman can play all three outfield positions. And also they want to get Frazier every day at bats, they said, and Talkman might, might not play with Gardner taking over left. Yeah, um, I, I get that. I just thought it would be kind of like a, a, a nice gesture by the Yankees. Yeah. I know this is a business and all that, but a uh, nice gesture by the Yankees to bring him over to London after everything that he did for um, the team at the beginning of the year and how well he played, but... Um, I'm not the boss, so Sockman's getting another shot. Sockman's throwing on a red, cro- red coat and headed over to Great Britain. Write that down in my notes, Matt. Not the boss. Um, 
I'm the boss on this show, not with the Yankees. <laughs> Here we go. Um, well, actually, the same thing was weird. This was the game we were at, and I still don't know why he was going to third. I don't know if it was Windmill Phil Nevin bringing him in. Windmill Phil's made a couple questionable moves later in that game, sent Luke Voigt home for like the eighth time this season where it's not even close. Yeah. It's like a shallow single to like a one hop to left, and he's, the ball's in front of Luke, and he sends him anyway, and he's out by a country mile. This has happened a couple times. But I, I don't know if he got if Stanton got that note from uh, Windmill Phil to, to run in to third uh, when he was coming into second. I don't really know what happened. I think it was one of those – he was trying to do a little too much. I think it was a slow hit ball to the third baseman or something where they had to, they had to charge and Stanton was going from first to second. And almost like Johnny Damon in the 2009 World Series where there was nobody covering third. Um, so Damon just took off. Stanton just took off. Um, bad decision because there was nobody standing there, but the third baseman or whoever was yeah. closest was only like five feet away, and he was out by um, quite a few feet. Uh, and it's the old baseball rule, never make the third out at uh, third base. So just a little bit of a bonehead play, little trying to do too much. Um, Yankees had it going. I think it might have been the first inning that that happened. So they had already hit two home runs, so... Yeah. Um, just c- trying to keep the rally going, trying to do a little too, bit too much, and it cost them, unfortunately. I feel bad for him. Good thing that you said that uh, Johnny Damon thing. I forgot about that, but that was one of the. I remember watching the the TV and everybody was screaming, "What the what hell's he, he doing? doing?" Yeah, <laughs> because you know, I love Johnny Damon. He's a great guy, but he's he's a numbskull. Uh, <laughs> and I just every, so nobody's expecting much from him as far as smarts on the base paths and. Everybody was so mad that immediately, like, oh, he took third. Yeah, I remember watching too. Like everybody, what the hell is he doing? He's like, oh, 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 oh. ALCS versus Angels? Is that Phillies? No, it was in the, the World Series against the Phillies. Another news: uh, Domingo Herman headed to Scranton, could be back to the Yanks after London, so within the next week or so, which is great because they can use the support, especially with Hap and Passon have had a couple shaky outings. Another bad week for both of them, especially Hap. I think he gave up like eight runs and. Uh, but what's been super cool is the Chad Green Nezzy connection. My guy Nezzy. Uh, I think there's seven and zero. Oh, two of them do the do the whole opener thing, so mm-hmm. that's kind of filled in a spot for him. And CC's been pretty good, and uh, Tanaka's been great. So they're holding it together. But you know the back, well not the back end, but Paxton and, and Hap have been struggling a little bit. So getting Herman, especially if he's back in the form he was for the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, just and just uh, even if it's just eating innings, like just give them five or six innings, give bullpen a rest. Even though, like you said, Chad Green um, and Nezzy have been great. Or even if it's you continue to go with the opener strategy and then just add Herman to the rotation and give all these guys an extra day. I think Tanaka pitches great when he has an extra day of rest. We all know CC can always use the rest, and Paxton and Hap have been kind of up and down. I know they had. Bad starts. Um, bad. So Paxton pitched pretty uh, pretty poorly yesterday. I believe he was on the mound. Gave up five quick runs. Gave him a, gave him a few innings, but can't have that. But I think he pitched pretty well against the Strohs. Um, and then Hap has kind of been a roller coaster. So, yep. Hope they all figure it out. Last topic to talk about here is just London in general. I know it wasn't doesn't get Matt hot enough that he wanted to make it a corner, but. Um, I know you're not happy about it. I think there's been a lot of talk about baseball players needing that kind of schedule and like your sleep schedule and, and doing the same thing every day. And 
that's why you know the trips to the west coast are usually kind of annoying but um london with the time difference and the long flight and you know getting a couple of days off it's ho- hopefully not enough to cool the yankees off especially with the the dimensions are weird it's yeah 385 a lot of the players are saying that the high school fields are longer it's 385 to center mm-hmm. um i think it's a tall fence it's like i said they're calling it like little monster or something it's like seven great feet, cool but yeah and i think it's like 330 to left and right yeah i get the it's trying to grow the game and everything um but somebody was talking about maybe it was jack curry that like people in london have never seen a baseball game before like Sure, go over there, grow the game, but like what they're gonna watch two baseball games and then fall in love fall in love with it, or like you're gonna get one kid in London to fall in love with baseball uh, I, i'm I'm not sure if it's worth it. It just seems like it just seems like a lot um to go over there um where you have I, I, I get growing the game like I said, but there's places in the world that already love baseball. Go to Japan at the beginning of the year like they do um. Go down to South America where baseball is beloved and is kind of king down there. I just, I don't understand going over to London in the middle of the season. It just seems like something that is just, and maybe it's just poor timing where it's like the Yankees have won 11 out of 12 or 10 out of 11 or whatever it is. And now they got to get on a plane, not play for two days, then play in London. And it's just time differences and athletes and their routines. It's just, I'm not uh, not thrilled about it. I feel like if somebody comes out of this getting hurt or like falls into a bad slump, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it, and it feels like even though I mean, there's a chance the Yanks could you know sweep the two games. They got Tanaka and I think an opener on Sunday, uh, going versus Porcello and Rodriguez, who haven't been great this year. So there's a chance that this could just kind of keep the momentum. But it also feels like one of those things that in a couple. You know, weeks or months, we'll be looking back like, "Oh yeah, that that series in London. Exactly. That's, where, that's where the AL East race changed." And you know, we have nothing to base it on now. Just kind of have that feeling. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and I, and you hope not. But I just I agree where it's something or it's like the Yanks get to the All Star break and it's like, yeah, well they've been playing 500 baseball since London. It's like, god damn it. Yeah, I mean the growing the game thing. I, I was reading some was it ESPN or MLB article today where they talk about how. They actually have like a good group of fans that are like diehard fans in England, but then the majority of the people that'll be at the games have no idea. So they have to do a lot of like educating. They're not even doing R H E on the board. They're doing runs, hits, errors because they just won't know what that means. So like little things like that. But um, they have like the people serving food in each section. They taught them take me out to the ball games, and they can teach the people in the, each section. So uh, yeah. and they're doing some quirky stuff like that. But um, yeah. I, I, I got no beef with growing the game, but like, you know, we have a couple buddies who are good Liverpool or big Liverpool fans, so I understand like going across the pond and and uh, and all that. But it reminds me of a I think it was a Bill Burr skit we were watching that when he was talking about hockey, and they're like, oh, "What's the problem with hockey?" And he's like, "Nothing's wrong with hockey. Hockey's great. It's just billionaires want to make more billions of dollars, and you're trying to you know grow a game that's already last year made you know its highest mark ever in revenue." It feels unnecessary, but I mean, I get it's fun for the players for like judging them to go over London, but hopefully it doesn't mess with any kind of streak the Yankees have been on. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a cool trip for them to to go over there and experience it. It's just kind of, I mean, poor timing because the Yankees are on a hot streak, and like you said, like hopefully they stay hot. I think they're seven games above the Rays right now, nine games uh, 
above the Red Sox. I mean, even a split would be fantastic over there. So hopefully it works out, but um, just I feel like it's a little unnecessary. Where soccer is king over there, I know basketball is kind of um, grown a little bit over there too, but just just not sure. But they, I mean, they have the stars over there. Judge is back, which yeah. um, baseball's thrilled about. Boots, uh, Mookie Betts will be over there, so they got their stars. So hopefully it works out. Okay, so with that, before we head into all the um, categories of the week, uh, we're first going to go and uh, do run our our interview with Paul Cartier, the organist. So we reached out to Paul. We've talked about him a bit on this podcast uh, after he took over for Kate Smith when we said goodbye to her rendition. Um, and uh, so we've had kind of an ongoing joke about it, but then we actually found out that he's a cool guy, and we reached out to him and I said, we did an interview with him, and then Matt and I actually went and hung out with him during the game and uh, went to the Delta area, and Matt and him were jawing about Long Island because he's from Long Island and <laughs> had some things to say about uh, local politics and, and, what, and whatnot in the Coliseum. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty cool, and here's the interview. Hope you enjoy it. So we're here with uh, Paul Cartier, the organist for uh, the Yankees and the New York Islanders. Paul, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, so uh, you started in 2004 with the Yanks, right? That's correct. So why don't you uh, give us a little bit of that history, like how you get, how you landed this job? Uh, it's kind of like who you know, I guess. Um, I uh, have been doing the New York Islanders prior to that, and the guys who were in the business, you know, and like won the whole show, they all know each other. And uh, the guy who was in charge of... Uh, uh, the scoreboard and all that stuff at this stadium uh, was Mike Bonner. And Mike, in the offseason, would come and like, DJ at Islander Games or something just to keep busy. And so we got to know each other. So um, when Eddie Layton retired, you know, he came to me and he said, uh, we need to talk. And I looked at him and said, about what? <laughs> he said, well, Eddie retired. And I said, yeah, but I have a full-time job. <laughs> you know, and I, I was an air traffic controller. I'm retired now. But air traffic control, like any of the other public uh, service jobs, uh, was uh, round-the-clock uh, shift work. So when you have many games at 1 o'clock on Saturday, Sunday, that doesn't work. Um, so uh, they actually had some auditions, and then they came back to me and said, can you do Monday through Friday? Now, that's much more doable because if I have a night game, I can just switch to a day shift, and plenty of people hate day shifts, so uh, we I figured we'd try it. At that time, I was already, like, kicking myself that I couldn't do it, but, you know, uh, I couldn't give up a full-time job to do that. So it was nice they came back and asked me if I could do Monday to Friday, and it's been that way since. So we have Ed Alstom does the weekends. Uh, he comes over from Jersey. I come in from Long Island, and we're able to help each other out if we have a conflict, and, uh, and it's worked. And how was it taken over for uh, for Eddie? I'm sure that was kind of a uh, a big shoes uh, to fill kind of situation. Oh yeah, that's that's actually an understatement. It was nice. You know, I knew Eddie Layton probably about 20 years before I got that job. He worked at the Coliseum also at times, and I'd fill in for him there. And but he actually never had heard me play. So uh, uh, for the audition when I went in. Uh, he sat there and just started shooting off, you know, things to play and played them all. And he just hit me on the back and he went, you're the man. 
So uh, it was nice to get the endorsement from the guy himself, you know. I'm sure. And, now, did, uh, did they give you a, a list for the uh, audition to play, or did you just come in there, fire, nope. and play, and play some meatloaf? No, nope. uh, really you, you, you'd be surprised. It was none of that. Uh, it was he wanted all the basic stuff. He wanted to hear some of the clapping songs, and he wanted to hear Oh Canada and the Star Spangled Banner, Happy Birthday, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. All the stuff that they do, and he wanted to make sure he could handle that. So. And I guess the rest you figured would be up to you and your style and how you uh, uh, were going to handle things. But I remember it clear as a day. It was a, it was a February day in the old stadium, and you're in a booth, but all it is is a glass booth, no heat. There was snow on the field. It was freezing. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it was uh, it was quite the uh, the thing to have him, you know, tap you on the back and go, "You're the guy." I'm sure that was amazing. Um... Well, actually, that kind of leads into a question I had. Are you more of an old stadium or a new stadium guy? Uh, I'm definitely an old stadium guy. <laughs> uh, I go back to, you know, it's funny. They, uh, for the Islanders, at least the Barclays and the Yankees, uh, they have me out in the open now. And, man, how I wish I could have had that back years ago. Because I used to go to both stadiums, and I'd go even just to hear the organist between Eddie Layton and Jane Jarvis over at the Shea Stadium to make sure I get there early so I could hear what I'd love to and able to meet them back then, you know. Who knows yeah. how that would have worked out. But uh, so now so now I'm accessible. It's a whole new whole new ball game. But people have really taken to that. And uh, But I will tell you, I definitely fall into the old-time the old time, uh Stadium guy, I play a lot of standards. I throw in new stuff, you know. Like recently added, uh, perfect. The, the new stuff comes and goes so quickly, though. You know, some of yeah. the old standards lasted forever, but you know, I added perfect recently, and shallow is another one. But they're, and they're kind of ballady, but I add them. I change them over to more of a driving beat type song. But you know the song for sure, and people have liked the renditions I've done. So, well, what's but, your? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, and, I, and I'm an organist. You know, and Eddie's an organist uh, at Alstrom. Um, we, uh, you know, not not to to make fun or, or put anybody else down, but a lot of the other guys out there just use a keyboard. You know, and, and I can yeah. tell <laughs> it's not as full. But you know what? It's it's uh, it's the whole thing is is that they're still using it. You know, and part of the the problem with today society is everything is gets easier and automated and. You know, uh, I actually use a keyboard on top of the organ that you can go out and gig with all on your own. And you can play with two fingers if you want. So it's got so much automation on it. But that's kind of what's happened today. But uh, it's uh, made a comeback. Organist, uh, I think there's only in the NHL, there's only uh, like three or four teams left that don't have an organist again. And I'd have to do the research on the MLB, but a, a lot of people are using the organist. And the, the fans like it. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, constantly you, get people coming up to me saying, you know, I wish I'd let you play more. <laughs> well, that's what I appreciate about it because, um, yeah, it's easy to make the connection between, oh, somewhat easy, I guess, to make the connection between, you know, growing up and hearing the organ in church and then hearing it with, you know, the religion of baseball and the cathedral of baseball. But the new Yankee Stadium, my biggest gripe with it is it loses some of that appeal. If, if you still go to a Wrigley or a Fenway these days, you get some of that feel that the old Yankee Stadium had. Whereas more, mm -hmm. more of a you know kind of blue collar, and now it's just more of a theme park. But the organ brings it back to some of that old school baseball feel. Right. Well, I'll tell you. I know when uh, I know it's more Yankee thing, but when the Islanders made the move out to Brooklyn, I was insistent that we bring the organ. You know, and there were 
they were just ready to, you know, maybe get a different one. I'm like, no, there's already so much change. If we can bring the same organ uh, and me, it, it'll still sound when you walk in the building. It's still going to sound like a, the Island game, you know? And, uh, yeah. and that's exactly how that went, and it went over really well. And we brought the stadium, the organ over from the old stadium, too, although it was only, I think, two years old at the time. So yeah. that kept the same sound there, too. But. And what do you do uh, if you have uh, an Islanders game and, uh, and a Yankee game on the same night? Well, that really becomes more of a business thing. And I mean, people are like, you're kidding me. You'll do an Islander preseason game over a Yankee uh, playoff game. Uh, which actually a setup could happen already this year. The Islanders home opener is October 4th. I believe that's going to be the first week of playoffs, uh, assuming the Yankees are going to make it. It's looking pretty and, good. Uh, let's call but, that a safe assumption. Yeah, well, so it becomes a business decision in the sense that both stadiums, both arenas can have a live organist. So as opposed to one having to use, uh, you know, tape or something, or uh, nobody uses tape anymore, it's digital. But, you yeah. know, instead of using a recording, versus uh, if there's two of us, so, like, Ed will fill in for me. He'll, you know, the weekend guy will pick it for me. So, you know, like October 4th, that would be the Islanders' home opener. They expect to have a live organ there. So uh, I already let Ed know, you know, if we have a game that night at the stadium, it's, it's his. So um, we work it out that way. Uh, it's it's tough, but, you know, sure, would I rather be at a playoff game? <laughs> but... But then it just becomes the business decision. You have to let the fan thing go that night, you know. Well, uh, speaking of the the fan thing, I guess what would what would you say is your coolest maybe Yankee story? I'm sure you have plenty of Islander stories too. Seeing this as a Yankee podcast, well, as far as you know, yeah. at the stadium, people you've met or games that you were at uh, that just kind of stick in your memory. Well, it's already been six. This is the 16th season, so there's been a lot. You know, I mean, memories as far as I guess one of the biggest ones would be. Uh, winning the World Series in 2009 and, you know, being down on the, standing on the mound an hour later, getting my picture taken a couple of days later, day was a day later, days later, you had the parade, that was a yeah. parade, you know, so that's all like, this is unbelievable, you know. This may sound, it's not actually the game related, but my first, I did opening day 2004, and then walks this older gentleman who I knew who it was, it was Bob Shepard, you know, he kind of shuffled up and then he's like, oh, my name's Bob. <laughs> and and then he's like, is is your name that you like to pronounce Cartier or Cartier? And I was like, however you say it, it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Whatever so you want. Just talk, talk about being in awe, you know, and then yeah. he actually introduced me as the new Yankee Stadium organist. And uh, to just hear him say your name is amazing, you know. So that's, yeah. and then the last three years of Bob's career, I actually drove him in. As it turned out, he only lived two miles from me, and I never knew that. So uh, we drove so you in. Were driving, uh, you were yeah. driving Bob Shepard up to the Bronx from Long Island for yep. every game? Yep. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, the games I was at, sure. Yeah. But uh, if, you, if you go, I don't want to give anybody plus News 12, big deal. They, they did a story on us back then. So if you, if you go search myself and Bob's name, it's uh, on YouTube the actual story where they put, and it's the only time Bob ever sat in the back seat, they put a uh, <laughs> camera in the front seat, passenger side, and uh, filmed us going in and uh, did interviews and stuff like that. It was it was pretty cool. But you can only imagine, I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, people would pay. They could auction this off. People would pay to try Bob Shepard in, you know? 
And uh, yeah, absolutely the most gentleman man you'd ever see or met. Just the way we always heard. Very unassuming. He'd say, I don't understand. I'm just a public address announcer. You know, what's the big deal? Um, and uh, I would always try to get him. Could you imagine the stories he'd have, right? He'd try I'm to sure, get him yeah. to talk stories. And all he wanted to hear about was my fire department and my air traffic. No, no, no. What's, <laughs> what's going on with that? So wow. that was uh, that was pretty thrilling, you know. And, yeah, uh, sure. You know, I, I did. Obviously, played in the World Series uh, my first year. No, we we didn't make it to the World Series my first year. Almost yeah. made it to the World Series. That was, so uh, we don't want to talk. We don't want to talk about that. Yet. <laughs> yeah, that your first so year doesn't say, exist. If, if, if you <laughs> ask me about one of the, if you ask me about one of the the worst times, that would be it. Because uh, and then yeah, I'm that's... sitting there going, here they go. It's the new organist's fault. They're going to fire me. This, this guy <laughs> yeah, comes guy's... in and we lose it. We lose four in a row to the Sox. That's it. We, we gotta get somebody there. Yeah, so, hit the bricks, uh, Paul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So did the All Star game there? Uh, did oh, play yeah. the, well? Uh, I mean, and then there was the clash of my two teams because the Islanders played in an All Star game there. So uh, mm -hmm. the, the fact the Times actually did a story on that. You know that you know how's this going to work? Yeah, I used to you know and. Um, yeah, so there's just been, uh, you know, and then all the, the milestones, and now we look at this team, you walk out there, and it's like, every day you expect to win. I'm glad I don't have to pitch against them. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty amazing. There's just too many stories to, to tell you. Like, I got to go to the, I played at the um, Welcome Home Dinner a couple of times, came to old-timers. Now, I was didn't work those old-timer games because it was Sunday, but they would have yeah. something they will get together afterwards and get to go there and meet some of the old timers would show up at that stuff. So it was just nice to be included with that. And you got a you got a dream job, Paul. I have to admit, yeah, I've heard that a few times, and I have <laughs> to say I'd have to say it is, you know. And being a fan uh, and being able to, you know, it's funny when I came into this, I was like it, really expecting that most organists were just musicians and it was just a job. Uh, and that I had like a, a step up because I was a fan and knew the game and could really relate a lot more. But I found out there's a lot of guys out there that do this that are actually our fans of the team and and, and sports fans and do know what the heck's going on. So uh, that was a nice surprise. And um, if you're interested, no, we we pretty much all know each other. Um, really? Uh, we uh, well, we have a closed Facebook page that uh, anybody who's a professional sports organist is invited to. And we exchange ideas, and we, uh, you know, just chat back and forth about how uh, how we're treated and how things are at the different places, and uh, that's pretty cool. And we actually started that before, like Facebook was even around. A guy from the uh, Carolina Hurricanes actually did a lot of legwork and called all the sports teams and got the email addresses and reached out to people, and we did it via email, where you just hit reply all. And that's how we did that for a while. And then as uh, social media evolved, we we did it that way. And then there's, there's a, on Twitter, there's a, <clears throat> at Organist Alert, at Organist Alert. They actually have now, this guy puts out there and it's taken off, you know, on Twitter. And to him, oh, we just heard so-and-so play this. And so-and-so play this, you know. In L.A., Dieter played this. He's very big out in L.A. Dieter's very good, very good. Yeah. Dieter Rule. And uh, it's gotten to that point. It's almost like we had this like little fan club thing going. So it's, uh, it's just overall sports organist, and it's, it's cool to see how many people are in it, into it. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm I'm gonna take up the organ just so I can get into that Facebook group. <laughs> so uh, a couple of logistical questions here. 
well, at least what Matt and I were talking about yesterday, we were just kind of curious, what do you do for food? Do you have like the full range of Yankee Stadium food at your disposal? Is there like a secret menu for employees we don't hear about? Are you packing your own sandwiches? Well, they, there's the uh, chef's place <laughs> is uh, named after Bob up in the press box for a nominal fee. We can get food up there. Or, you know, I'll go down and I have the food right in the Delta that I can go and, and get from there. So, um it's, it's it's good. I never trust me. I never go hungry. <laughs> I would hope not. Um, and uh, have you ever gone to like one of the bars in the Bronx, like stands or something, after a big playoff win? I'm sure you got to drive back to the family in Long Island, so probably not. But have you ever taken your time to, to cross the street I, I don't and celebrate with the fans? It's, fun, it's funny you say I don't seem to do that well in crowds like that. But I have gone with the scoreboard crew uh, a couple of times. We've done that where we we'd meet up. Uh, and I don't remember the place. So it was around the corner. It wasn't stands, but uh, there's another place right around the corner. It's uh, yeah. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it's and that's fun. It's nice to relax and and Paul the NPA announcer would come over too. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that go on behind the show there. You know, it's probably yeah, twenty five sure. to thirty people to put out that show with all the cameras and the and the music and there's an audio guy and the guy who does the the graphics and the guys who run the videotape as the directors, the guy who just put, does the switching and puts up on the board. All those ribbon boards have operators. There's a guy who just does balls and strikes. So uh, there's a bunch of us, and it's like a big family up there too. You know what I was thinking about that reminds me the other day when I was at a game was uh, so the flags change on top of the stadium, you know, based on who's in what place and what division. I was thinking yeah, that, there's some, guy that has, right? there's some guy that has to go up there every day Take the flags yep. down and change it. If there's a if there's a race going back and forth, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's worse jobs to have. <laughs> um, yeah, that's well, that's been forever, right? I think both yeah, stadiums in town. That's do at that. the old stadium too. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, what is your favorite song? Least favorite song? And what would be your if it was like your last day on the gig and you were going to play your swan song to play yourself out? What would oh, wow. be it? What are those? Uh, they're all, they'd be old stuff. I mean, I just enjoy every day we open up and I just kept, uh, and I believe Eddie does it too. Uh, Eddie Layton's tradition of opening with, um, um, New York, New York. Yeah. Do that every game. So for all 16 years, first game, that's what I've done. Uh, to play me out would probably be a, an old time favorite. Sammy Kane, uh, I'll be seeing you. Oh, uh, nice. And it's a, uh, yeah, it's a cool, but it's old. So it probably wouldn't be even too many of the young people would know that. Yeah. It's funny. There are times I'll try to interject some, like, humor type thing in it. And I'm like, yeah, half the stadium probably doesn't even know this at this point. <laughs> because, you know, so that's the uh, – but there's probably some of them that still do, and they'll, they'll touch on to it, you know, and every once in a while, you know. And, again, on that, that organist alert, all of a sudden you'll know because somebody says, hey, you know, Cardi just played this. Yeah, I'm sure you got a couple people that are understanding your humor, appreciating it. Yep, yep. So, but you probably need to be a little bit of an all-timer. Not that I'm real old. I just turned 60 and I don't feel old. But, uh, you know, you get people coming up and they say, hey, play this. And I'm like, what's that? And then, you know, and then a lot of the stuff today, if you're into the rap and all, you can't play that on the organ. <laughs> yeah, you can't really organ out hip hop. It doesn't work that way. Um, great. Well, uh, I just want to, you know, kind of be cognizant of your time here. I know you got to head up to the stadium in a bit. So um, I think we can end here with just a. Uh, I think we could just end with maybe 10 uh, rapid-fire questions, just kind of get your knee-jerk reaction to some of these, and then we can uh, call it a day and 
like I said, Matt and I are heading up to the stadium, so maybe we'll see you up there tonight. But uh, as cool. that's out. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, all right, rapid fire. Let's do it, Paul. Who is your favorite Yankee ever? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Jeter. Respect it, me too. Your favorite Islander ever? Oh, let's see. Bossy. There's okay. many of them, but Mike Bossy. Okay. What's your uh, go-to sandwich? If you're buying one or making one yourself. My go-to sandwich? If, well, if I was buying one, I'd go out and get a nice, good corned beef sandwich. One of those okay. Nice thick ones. All right. Current Yankee that if you'd want to be uh, in a fight with the least. <laughs> There's a lot of big Yankees out there. Who's the one that you... <laughs> How many? Uh, uh, Aaron Judge. <laughs> okay, I bet. stood next to him once. He was very tall. I come up to his <laughs> armpit. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I'm not a very tall guy. I like to look when he's me sitting neither. next to Al, Altuve. Yep. It gives me a sense of, uh, of what I'd look yes. like next to him. <laughs> I, I, if, his, if the numbers they give on him is correct, we're the same height. Okay, great. So I'm like, so that's Same. what I would look like if I stood out there. <laughs> um, uh, do you like or dislike the wave at Yankee Stadium when the fans do the wave? Dislike. Okay, agreed. Uh, I was talking to my dad about that last night. He's got a, he's firmly against yeah, that. I saw uh, that. I, you know, it's not, that's not a Yankee Stadium thing at all. Amen. Beach or a lake guy? As long as there's water, I'm good, but I'll go with beach. Okay, cool. Long Island guy, I get it. Would you rather eat a peach or a nectarine? Subtle differences. Okay. I don't eat fruit. Uh, okay. My dad was meat and potatoes, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Irish blood. Um, what superpower would you have if you could pick one? What superpower would I have? I'm going to go with, because of the traffic every day, to be able to fly. <laughs> I get it. Uh, it's gotten worse the, every year. <laughs> heading over the Triborough. Um <laughs> And uh, this one might be too easy for you because you're an organist, but Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen? Billy Joel. They're both okay. great, but Billy Joel. All right. Well, I'm a Jersey guy. I'll, I'll fight you on that one. Um, and <laughs> who is uh, the last Yankee that you ever want to that you ever want to play out? Who would be the on the current team? Who's your favorite Yankee? Is basically the question. Favorite Yankee? I, I think it's got to be uh, Judge again. Yeah. You know, not not just because of the player he is, but because of the man he is. He, he just always seems calm. You know, you never see him get excited. And you never see and He just carries himself, but he he does everything right. He seems to say the right thing. He can throw. He can play all around. Five tools guy, you know. So. I love it. All right, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk with you, and hopefully Matt and I will catch you uh, up in the Bronx tonight for some uh, steak and potatoes during the game. There we go. All right. Thanks again, Paul. And we're back. Um, and that will take us into our categories of the week presented by Frozen French Bed Pizzas. Like we say every week, we're still looking for that that sponsor. So if you that find, elusive sponsor, if you are a company who makes frozen French bread pizzas, uh, and you're looking to uh, get a little coin your way, wet the beak a little, Ken. <laughs> yeah, come on in, because uh, you know we need some of that coin too. So <laughs> uh, we don't want the coin; we just want the French bread. I want pizza. the pizzas and the coin, Matt. So, uh, our first question of the week is our weekly category of trade judge or, where we ask Matt a would you rather question, where one of the options is, would he trade Aaron Judge? So, uh, some people submitted a couple questions, so we got a little bit of a cube uh, here, but this one is, uh, would you rather trade Aaron Judge away from the Yankees, or for the next five years, you have to wear a Kid Rock long sleeve t-shirt everywhere you go? That's stupid. It's not stupid. You can go. You can <laughs> honestly, if you're outside in the winter, you can wear you can wear a jacket. 
But you're at work, long sleeve uh, t-shirt, Kid Rock on it. Maybe it says something cool like American Badass. <laughs> or you're at a wedding. Maybe you meet a girl and you go home to meet her parents. You're wearing this Kid Rock t-shirt everywhere you go for five years. Or you trade judge today. Five, this is, I feel like these need to be a little bit more realistic. I, like, that's not realistic. Hey, don't fight the question. Where did, this, where did this one come from? From my brain, man. No, stop. Yeah. Ball with the ball. I'm going to wear the Kid Rock t-shirt. You're going to wear Kid Rock t-shirts. Yeah. You got a work meeting. Hey, yeah, it's a conversation starter. You got a wedding. You're wearing you're wearing suit pants, suit shoes, <laughs> some nice shoes, and a Kid Rock t-shirt. Long sleeve tee. <laughs> luckily, luckily, this is never going to come into fruition. So I can say, I'll wear the Kid Rock t-shirt. Wow, I don't believe him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't believe I don't believe me either, but these <laughs> this is never going to be a thing. I mean, none of them are going to be a thing. I asked you if you'd eat Papa John's only for the last uh, when you eat pizza for like ten years. I thought oh. you said no. That was for a year. That's more realistic. <laughs> I said every pizza he eats Papa John's. Yeah, for a year. That's realistic. So what's the what's not realistic? It's five years. It's, yeah, and then it's Kid Rock. I said it's five years, and it's every day. All right. So, when, like, if you said like once a week, no, that's what makes it a tough question. Let's say it's one one year then. One year, that's more realistic. You have to wear it every until June twenty seventh of twenty twenty. You're wearing a Kid Rock t shirt every day. Do I get to mix it up? Like, is it a different Kid Rock t shirt? Same t shirt. But yeah, but he's the American badass. Like, I, I yeah. yeah. Let's keep Judge. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Send us Kid Rock t shirts. <laughs> Send us frozen French bread pizzas and Kid Rock t-shirts. <laughs> ball with the ball. Okay, that'll do it for trade gadgets. <laughs> Shout out Joe C, his little friend that passed away. Is that his name, Joe C? I think so. Okay. Uh, Kid Rock also good friends with uh, Uncle Cracker. Yeah, there you go. And he's also Robbie from Joe Dirt. Yeah, Robbie from... Jeff <laughs> yeah. Leppard sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know what? Maybe I'll just wear a Kid Rock t-shirt for the rest of my life. He's uh, he's super cool in Joe Dirt. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a really good villain. Yeah, he's a great villain. Uh, I think he's asking everybody... Motherless dirtbag. <laughs> he's asking all... Uh, he says something... Joe Dirt says, I'm cool as a nugget. Not. <laughs> Jeff Leppard sucks. Um, Robbie... All right, so that will take us to uh, Matt's Hot Corner, where we talk about things that are just getting Matt hot. This week is a little hot about London, but we already covered that, so this week he wants to talk about StatCast. I'm guessing this is coming off of the Stanton Homer. Yeah, um, I just think it's kind of, it can be a little bit BS um, when it comes to StatCast and how long some home runs are. Um, I'm sure most of you have seen where the where the Stanton home run went, I believe it was Tuesday night. Um, but it was an absolute bomb. It was to the right of, I don't know if they still call it Death Valley. I know that's that's what they call it at Yankees at the old Yankee Stadium, and that's three ninety nine to Death Valley. So, and that it, this home run had to be about forty feet to the right of that. So the wall keeps going out. So it's got to be at least four hundred feet to where it was, and then he hit it into that second deck. Which I, I don't know. They all have names to them. It's like Frank's Red Hot. That's the Frank's Red Hot Terrace, obviously. Of course, where Judge hit that ball and broke the TV and BP. Yeah, hit it off the. Was that last year? Hit it off the bar and smashed that TV, and they left it. Uh, at least for the rest of the season, they didn't fix it. I don't know if they fixed it since. I love it. So I don't know if it's 
So it's got to be 400 straight shot over the wall, and then that's got to be at least another 60 feet up there. And it's pretty high. I mean, I'm just kind of, I have no science behind this, but there's no way that that ball was only 445 feet. And I feel like this happens a lot with these home runs that Judge and Stanton and Sanchez hit that are just absolute bombs. And the the, the stat cast number just seems a little yeah. little off distance wise. I, I th- if and again, up, if you mess it up once, you you ruin the integrity of stat right? Sure, and that happened with uh, the one we always bring up is the Judge one in Seattle, twenty seventeen, yeah. that almost left the stadium. That people figured out after was probably like close to six hundred feet. It was yeah. like high five hundreds and. It came in, and they the running joke, even MLB was saying that he broke StatCast, and it came in at like 414 or something. Yeah, and I think he hit one at City Field, um, not last year, the year before. I remember that um, Cespedes, RIP to his ankles, um, didn't even turn around and look at it, and it was upper deck, and it was like, oh yeah, that's 450. So it's like, are, are we just like, are we just throwing these numbers out there, or are they realistic? Are they realistic? Because I just think, and then you see... Some home runs that like Mike Trout has hit where it's like 501 feet, but that one didn't seem as far like to go any further than like one that Sanchez hit in in L.A. or, or Anaheim. Uh, sorry. So I, I just think that the numbers could be a little off, and I could be completely wrong. I'm not a scientist, but um, <laughs> never claimed to be. <laughs> but uh, scientists in Secaucus, yeah. <laughs> they're test tubes. But they see it just seems a little um, a little off, and that was an absolute bomb. So yeah, four forty five seemed a little short. The thing that Stackass just annoys me with, I'm all in on like the everybody likes a, a, a deep homer. So um, I, you know, even though it messes up here and there, I, I have no beef with that. I don't care about exit velocity unless we're talking about like how hard Judge or somebody's hitting the ball at, like a shortstop and how hard it is to make that play. But like the exit velo and like the home runs or all these and. It, I, I don't care. Aaron Hicks was wearing did a post game interview the other day wearing a shirt that said "Exit Velo City," which is actually kind of funny. <laughs> um, and I know Michael K loves it, but I, I just I don't really care if he. I I care if he hit a ball five hundred feet. I don't care how fast it came off his bat. Yeah, and I think Exit Velo like it's kind of like it's the eye test where it's like, dude, he smoked that ball, but like I don't need to know how hard he hit it. Yeah. But there's also like. Stanton's gotten a couple base hits that he hits right into the ground and then flies up the middle. Um, and it's like, oh, yeah, the exit, that's the hardest bit, hard hit, hardest hit ball all year. It's like, what do you mean? He hit it, like, down, straight down into the ground in yeah. front of the pitcher, and then it flew past the pitcher. That, like, that can't be the hardest hit yeah. ball all year. So, stat cast, clean it up. That reminded me of what you just said about, remember when uh, SportsCenter used to do sports science? I think it got yeah, John Brankus. That was... The dumbest. At least I, th- I hated that. I, it would be like a 15-minute segment where he's like, Blake Griffin has jumped off with so much torque, twisting at 25 Gs per second. It's like, God, yeah, it's the same yeah. amount of velocity that a rocket ship going <laughs> yeah. to the moon would. I actually got a funny story about Bron- John Brinkus, but I can't say it. Okay. Cool. Way to tease us. We <laughs> won't know about that story. It involves John Brinkus and Ray Lewis at the Super Bowl this year and how... Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis was given a speech at a Super Bowl party, and then he goes, well, I guess I'll tell someone's story. Yeah. Um, Ray Lewis goes, my life changed the day I met John Brinkus. And I said to myself, <laughs> the sports science guy? <laughs> and then there he was. <laughs> so 
It was very, very odd. Like, Brink is showing up? Ray Lewis was giving... I won't go... This is why I didn't want to tell the story. And I then, won't go into the details of what... And then Brinkus came down from the rafters like Sting. And <laughs> Brinkus ran down the aisle and they said he was running at a speed of 15 miles per hour, which is the same speed as a Jaguar in the Congo. At this rate, he's going 70 <laughs> steps per second. Yeah, so... And I, it was just weird that Ray Lewis's life was changed by John Brinkus, the sports science guy. To be honest, I think all of our lives are changed by John Brinkus. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah, that one That one took a turn. Yeah, and that's Matt's hot corner. Um, Ken's hot corner, too. You seem a little hot about that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Ken hates Exit Velo. <laughs> hate Exit Velo. Hicks, come on the pod. Me. <laughs> so that'll take us into the coveted Big Bastard uh, Award of the Week. For the biggest big man move. Trying something new this week. Talking over with Matt. Just, you know, we're always experimenting. I think for the categories, uh, we're going to try and do maybe just two nominees per. And just see if that makes it a little bit uh, tougher to choose. So, for the big bastard, we got what we just talked about. Stanton's homer um, versus Toronto. 445 feet. Matt wants to think that it's maybe closer to five. Um, and bouncing in the Frank's red hot terrace. Just say, be true uh, to the game, Kent. But then Gary versus Yusin uh, off of Peacock. Hit one, 481 feet. That's the guy's name, Peacock? Yeah. <laughs> Brad Peacock. You know, he's a starting pitcher for Houston. <laughs> How about your boy, Joe Biagi? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tor- Toronto's uh, guy in the bullpen. I think he just came up for Toronto. His last name is Biagini. And we thought it was just like spelled that way, but that's actually how it's pronounced. And, uh, you know, why be a Latin when you can be a genius? <laughs> Shout out to Latin Um <laughs> More free ads. Big free ads this week. <laughs> yeah. Show be a genie. <laughs> uh, but Gary hit one off of Houston, 481 feet. So obviously you're just going to the numbers that one's further, but Stan, especially with the way he went out, his first home run of the season, I think. Um, or mm-hmm. first home run of the season back, at least. Yeah, was it? No, it was his first home run of the season. Yeah, and uh, it, it was just an absolute shot, and then uh, he ended up, you know, that was kind of his last home run of the season so far. Um, Gary's was a shot, too. I, this is another thing with I didn't look for it any one feet to me. He did really, you know, it was in the in the bleachers and left over the bullpen. But, um, yeah. What do you got? I'm going with G, and here's why. Oh, I mean, I guess I should say Stan because yeah. both are there. I'm going with Stan, and here's why. Because we received some texts from some of our buddies saying, um, and Stanton was getting the a- the old A Rod treatment, where it's like, oh yeah, he hits a home run when the Yanks are up ten eight uh, two or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that those three runs wound up being the deciding runs in that game. So big home run by Stanton, big clutch home run by Stanton. Yeah, that was huge because that was uh, when Holder fell apart. Right? Mm-hmm. Get well soon, G. We're rooting for you. Yeah, here yeah. on Monument Talk. Come on the pod. Yeah, I'm gonna go Stanton too because he was getting booed in the stadium yeah. when he first got back, uh, and then absolutely just crushed that ball. So. Stan, it is. Yeah, come on the pod, Stan. You got some free time. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you. I'm sure you like Hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna skip what's up with Paul when we talk about what's up with Paul Cartier this week because we because we interviewed him. Yeah, because you've already heard. Yeah, we, we've done enough, with Paul. Um, so that's gonna take us to the Billy Brubaker um, quote of the week, named after Billy Brubaker, the catcher from the movie um, A League. No. Uh, wow. So are we talking about A League of Their Own last week? Or week wow. Before? Summer yeah. Catch. Summer Catch. Your all-time favorite all movie. Right. Can't even remember the title. Here we go. Um, <laughs> this one we actually have three, even though I just said we'd have two per. 
this one was from CC. He said, when I'm facing uh, Kevin Biggio or uh, Vlad Jr., it's time for me to go home. <laughs> so this was cool. CC was talking about, um, so CC was, you know, struggling to find his command when he had runners on, on base. So he was slide stepping, um, trying to keep them on. And he thinks that's what was throwing off his command. And Gary came up to him and said, just stop. Or he said, quit slide stepping. I got you. And the next pitch uh, threw at Guriel was trying to steal. So confident in his arm that he said, you can just, you know, pick your leg up, throw normal, and I'm still going to throw him out. And he did, which is super cool. That actually should have been a big pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> so we saw <laughs> Judge's Instagram. Uh, he posted a pic of like London bound or something, and uh, Luke Floyd commented, You sound like you're from London. <laughs> <laughs> from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Great movie. Yeah, great character. Uh, Paul Rudd. Kunu. Yeah, Kunu. Um, <laughs> So what does that mean? And what does that mean in Hawaii? Oh, it means Pete. <laughs> I don't wear a watch. Yeah, I got a, I got a clock on my phone. <laughs> okay, so we got uh, Cece saying it's time to go home. Gary with a, a real big basket quote, quit slides that I got you. And uh, Luke Voigt, you sound like you're from London. I'm going with Gary, um, the guy who can't speak English in post-game interviews with Meredith Morakovitz, went out to Cece and said, quit slide-stepping. I got you. <laughs> I've been a big believer that Gary knows how to speak English, just doesn't want to do post-game interviews. So I'm all in on Gary there. He's been an absolute beast behind the plate. He made a play yesterday where um, it was actually a bad play by him. A ball thrown, uh, pitch thrown right at him. He kind of dropped it, went to his left. He ran after it, spun around, not even looking at second base. And hose the shorts. Um, I forget the guy's name. The guy with the the guy with the long hair who plays shorts. So I think it's like Gaddis or or something for Toronto. For Toronto, yeah. And hosed him at second at second base. It was a big time play. So yeah, I'm in. On, I'm in on Gary. He's been great behind the plate. Um, and that guy, the shorts of Galvis. Galvis, uh, sorry. He had two straight games when he was just fighting off that last yeah. pitch of the game versus uh, uh, Chapman. Yeah, real um, real guardy at bats. Yeah, I'm going to go with Gary also. That's a cool quote. Um, yeah, <laughs> I hope that... I think it's a, it would be super awesome to find out that he has been able to speak English this whole time. He definitely he, has. I mean, he has by by no means needs to speak English. Like, I think I saw uh, Meredith Morocco did one of her Instagram, like, ask me questions during a rain delay, and she said... Somebody asked what she wants to do next, and she said she wants to learn Spanish um, so she can just talk directly to the Hispanic players. So he has no... He doesn't need to learn English, but... Uh, the idea that he does know how to do it and speaks it to like CC on the mound and stuff, but then just doesn't want to talk to the reporters after the game is, I th- is genius. I think he does, and I, and I really want him to kind of own it. Yeah. Um, and be and after the post game interview when Meredith's like, "Thanks for your time," I want him to be like, "You're welcome," and <laughs> wink at the camera. Yeah. I think that'd be a cool move. <laughs> Got the whole world in the palm of your hand, Gary. <laughs> Uh, I also saw a, a Twitter thread of Gary on his 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 like armband, like you know the mm-hmm. pitches and all that, and the and the player stats. Um, he's been putting uh, a Yankee logo on one side and then a emoji on the right or a picture for every pitcher or a player. That's I thought it was the Kraken. Oh yes, yeah, so the Kraken, the- and then like when it was. Um- Paxson, it was like the the Canadian flag, the Canadian maple leaf. Yeah, so he's changing around for all different players. Some of them are pretty funny. I think it was for Severino. He just had a picture of his face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like nobody picked that up on. I just saw it on this thread that 
It was pretty fun. Okay, so that takes us to uh, the Toby Flenderson Award, who's taking the shuttle back to Scranton, a.k.a. the loser of the week. Just two nominees. Uh, so we got Holder, who actually took the shuttle back to Scranton. He pitched in two games, uh, but in those two games, it was only one inning, one inning pitched. He gave up eight runs off of three home runs and eight hits. And a lot of those were in that that meltdown he had against Toronto, that home run that John Carlos saved him with. And I, I think he did all that without getting an out. Uh, yeah. And he had I don't shoot. think he threw a pitch by somebody. It was yeah. brutal. He was he was real messy on the mound, and then right after the game got sent down to Scranton. So, uh, tough week for him. Yeah, literally got sent back down on the bus. Yeah. Um, and the other option is Stanton. He had a, actually an okay week, five games. He had he was 7 for 19 with a homer, that big one we talked about. He had seven RBIs, but then banged up his knee. And he's played in nine games this year, and now he's going to be out until August. Yeah, had four huge RBIs against the Astros on Saturday night that the uh, Yanks kept battling in that game. I got another um, okay. nominee, Ken. Yeah. Your boy, me, Matt. Matt. Yeah, because spoke a lot about him last week. Cam Maven yeah. made the team, then got hurt. Well, was on the team, but didn't get sent down, didn't get DFA'd, and then got hurt the next day. So I'm going to wear that one. Um, I'm the loser this week. It's tough. I felt really bad for him. Yeah. Um, was yeah. happy that he get, that was happy that he got to stick around, and then just really, really bad luck that did something to his calf, and then uh, Boone said right after the game, it's yeah. going to be a while. So. Felt really, really bad for him. Yeah. People also called us out. We had <laughs> the post on Pinstripe Valley where, you know, uh, promoting our last episode and a bunch of people commented, this is cursed Cameron Maven. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they might not be wrong. So, yeah, definitely not wrong. Sorry, Cam. Sorry, Cam. You got some free time, too. Come on the pod. Yeah. We're all eating uh, French bread pizza, some frozen FPPs, so. Well, yeah, that stunk. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go with Holder. I feel like Stanton is maybe the obvious answer, but Holder just kind of had a meltdown and he's been struggling for a little bit and now he's down and I, you know, he, he looked terrible and who knows when he's going to be back. Yeah, he looked really bad. Yeah. And Stanton, it's not his fault. Like he yeah. got hurt. Like, yeah. fortunately it's, he's just had bad luck this year. And I, we've said this now countless times. We're trying to have guys backs on this podcast. So they'll come on our podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that he played like 155 games last year. So, yeah. Um, unfortunately, he's run into some bad luck, so hopefully he gets better soon. He's back in August um, for the last push into the playoffs because they need him to win. So get uh, get well soon, G. That'll take us to our final category, the jersey of the week, which is the winner of the week. If you were to get one jersey shirt based on their performance this week, who would it be? Two options here, Matt. Uh, got a fielder and a pitcher. So we got uh, DJ, who was just a machine, Le machine. Over this week, six games, he bat 591 with a 1.31 uh, uh, slugging percentage. In those six games, he had 13 hits on 22 at-bats, two triples, four home runs, eight RBIs, and five walks. This guy is an absolute machine. It's unbelievable. And our other option is Chad Green, who you know struggled earlier in the year and came back and with this new starter role has just been on fire. Uh, he pitched in three games this week, uh, three, in a, three and two-thirds innings over that three-game stretch. Uh, he only gave up three hits, no runs, no walks, and six Ks. And at least maybe two of those were on the opener, uh, which I think I'll be doing in London as well. So that's been huge for the Yankees. Yeah, um, it's crazy that we're now wrapping up this podcast, and we this is the first time we're talking about DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. Um, bad, bad job by us because, yeah, it's him 
Um, and it's easy. Uh, it's crazy how good he's been. He just hits everything. Mm-hmm. Everything everywhere. Where it's um, home run to right. The home run he hit to break the record. Um, he smoked that ball to left field. So, I mean, he really just hits everything. I, 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 there, there's not much to say to say about him. Like you said, the numbers speak for themselves. He's just Damn. been incredible. And whether it's playing second base, he played first base this week, plays third base, solid at all, every position that he plays. So, huge win uh, by Brian Cashman, the Yanks signing him and not giving Manny Machado yeah. 300, however much money Machado made to play uh Third base. And Machado's been killing it for the past, I think, 15 games. He's playing out of his yeah. mind. But LeMahieu, um, really the steal signing of... Uh, I know the Yanks played Brantley this weekend. Brantley's been great for the Strohs as well. But LeMahieu's just incredible. Like, just huge, huge pickup by the Yanks. And I I mean, and you think that he's going to go cold or, like, not going to hit. And then it's the third inning and he's got two hits already and a couple RBIs. He's just... He's just an absolute monster. Yeah, and it's, it's funny you say steal because there was the one on the post they did an article that um, Cashman kind of stole him from. He was on his way to the Rays. Basically, the Rays had made him an offer to be an everyday uh, second baseman, and I think he wanted to be in New York, but they were shorting him a couple mil or whatever it was, and then they kind of swooped in. Uh, Cashman swooped in. He was in Montreal talking to DJ LeMahieu's agent, who was also abroad. And they was on the phone, and they kind of struck this deal last minute, and he ended up coming to New York instead of uh, Tampa, which is huge because if he was putting up these numbers yeah. in Tampa, that would not be great. But yeah, any other week, any other week, I probably would have gave it to Chad Green, but DJ's just been on fire. Like who would have thought that he'd be the Yankees MVP coming into uh, the end of June? So yeah, who knows where they'd be without him? He's just been an absolute stud. Yeah, um, everybody loves the machine. And that'll do it for this week. Coming up, we got uh, talked about a lot. Yanks versus Boston in London. Saturday, the game's at 1.10 p.m. We got Masahiro versus Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello's thrown 4.52 ERA this year. Uh, I think he's starting to you know pick it up a little bit, but he's struggled on and off. And then Sunday, a 10 a.m. game. So set your alarms. And I believe that'll be the opener versus Eduardo Rodriguez. And like we said, that... You know, not to jinx it or anything. No, don't want to Michael K it, but said or no, Chad Green and, and Nezzy when they're when they're running their little uh, their little scheme as the opener. So the Yanks are looking good with the matchups to hopefully kind of take both in London and, and come back and keep that hot streak going when they take on the Mets um, back in the states. Yankees going to beat the Redcoats again, baby. Oh yeah, let's finish what we started. <laughs> no taxation without representation. Um, that'll do it for us for week seven. We will see you in London, and uh, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Why be Aladdin when you could be a genie? (laughs) Have a good weekend, everybody. (laughs)